Hey. Hey. What's Hello? happening? Here we are. Gang's all here. What's up, man? Good hey. old-fashioned, just the three of a show. Oh, the way it's meant to be. I'm not sure just the way anything the... was meant to be. <laughs> just the three of us. Back to the band. Hey, Bill. Yeah. My wife just came in to hand me my glasses. Saw your picture here, and she said, Is that where he is right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's funny. Hey, why am That's I a bad. copycat for getting my hair cut? Who said you were a copycat? You didn't see my, you didn't see my do? No. Uh, I got the sexy hair. <laughs> wife just just walked in. You're me. still with us? What are you talking about? What? I said, and your wife walked in the room and you're still with us? Because <laughs> I don't want to be hearing that, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks good, man. You or him? <laughs> Well, 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 you've got short hair, but you don't have a flat top, though, right? No, I did. I went and got a flat top. Oh, you did? You, you got a picture up? Uh, I don't know if I have a picture up. Oh, I'm looking. Looking on your page. There's a picture no, of Stephen Hawking that... there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I see you, you, you also survived that horrible Florida winter. Yeah. Wow, man. That was a long day, wasn't it? Never forget. <laughs> Paul's just saying, screw both of you. I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Hey, your book. You, you know what? The, the reality of it my is, ash. Though, I can't stand the really hot summers, so I'm willing to deal with the, all of this. It, it doesn't really burn me that much. I can deal with it. Yeah, I'm really summer looking does forward suck. to being up there in June so that, you know, I get, I get some, like, reasonable summer temperatures for a change. Yeah, in June, we should be looking at, you know, 80s. Really? Maybe, yeah, maybe high 70s. I was just going to say, I was, I was expecting, like, you know, 70s. Yeah, might be. Could be so low 80s, high 70s. That's probably about where we'll be. And I couldn't, I could not tell you why, but for some reason in the middle of the night last night, I suddenly woke up, and then that was it. My brain was like, nope, you are up. That's because you had the sexy and, hair and your wife was laying next to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish that's why it was, but that is not it. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, so I got up, I went and I, I used the bathroom, I came back and... Uh, just laid there and laid there and laid there. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll read for a little while. That always puts me to sleep. And nope, next thing I know, it's like time to get ready for work. And I had blown through a shitload of comics on the iPad. But yeah, I never did fall back asleep. The worst thing is you wake up like two hours before you have to. You can't go back to sleep, so you start to read. And then about 15 minutes before you have to get up, you start feeling tired. Mm-hmm. And you fall back to sleep, and it's like, now I gotta get up. Yep. <laughs> you have you have all all the ba- all the disadvantages to being up all night and having to still wake up to your alarm. That's well, Bill. You did bring a book, in theory. Well, yeah, but I wanted I, I couldn't find the one that Michael dared me to do. I haven't found that yet. He had, he he wants me to do he wants me to do a Charlton romance book. <laughs> you know, I was thinking. When because I, I was I just listened to the the latest episode with that uh, with the hot rod book and I'm thinking, you know I think we've done a pretty admirable job on this show over the years 
of covering pretty much all the the category, you know, the different genres and everything. But uh, but yeah, I was thinking the other day that I don't think anybody'd ever brought a romance book. Uh, yes, yes, me. we did. I don't think well, I we did. Ha- Assistant Editors Month on the Dinner for Geeks week, uh, one of the guys brought the uh, I don't remember what the name of it was, but it was like a romance book. When Aunt May and Uncle Ben were young. Oh, Jesus, yes, that's right. That, and oh, that is a yeah, romance that was, book. That sounded horrible. Yeah, well, they, they were they were each trying to outdo each other with, like, who could bring the worst book. And I think uh, I think Ron won it with the, the March Hare. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember that episode now that you say that. Which you are a yeah, proud owner I, of, right? What is that? I, I, yeah, I am now the proud book. owner of that book. Ron <laughs> sent it to me in my Christmas bundle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if he, if he was sending it to me as a friend or, <laughs> or because he hates me. <laughs> so, sorry, uh, I was looking at my notes. You have notes? Well, my notes for Korvac, but I guess we'll do that on another date. We'll just do two books since you guys are beat. I'm, I'm kind, I mean, I can go to bed at any time. I, I think the two we have, excuse me, I think the are two we have will generate some up? conversation. In particular, the one I brought. Yeah, what the hell was that shit? <laughs> <laughs> it's Superman. How bad could it be? Uh, bad. Silver Age crap. Well, you know, no, but but that's the thing is it it only so you weren't with us last week when it was uh, or two weeks ago when it was uh, Scott, Dave, Weeder, and I, and we were talking about how basically DC never had a Bronze Age, and I think this book is an, is an, 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 a total example of that. Mm. There was no transition period. So but it's straight it's, from it's, wacky. To... Oh, it's wacky. Uh, it's stupid. Ooh. It makes no sense at all. It's just, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll do whatever we think about what, and, and logic be damned. <laughs> oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have had that pepperoni and tacos. Ugh. Pepperoni and tacos? <laughs> well, I ate a bag of, I, I ate an entire bag of pepperoni, just pepperoni. And then, then, then they made tacos for dinner. I was hoping I was going to have something that might settle my stomach. I just had one taco. It's all I can stomach. I'm like, oh, no mas. You know what my, oh, you know my wife, uh, we were try- trying to clean the garage up. You know what she tried to get rid of? You? It, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm next on the list. But, um, and I was, I, I knew she was going to try, try to do this. Which is why I, I wanted her to help me clean the garage, but not really help me clean the garage. I just want I'm like, just help me with the stuff that's on the floor, the stuff that I, I don't know know what to do with. So she grabs the, the, this book that somebody gave me as a gift. It's obsessed with Star Trek. 2,500 questions, right? Which I'll probably bring up to New York. It'll be something that we could do. Because I have not gone through and done any of the questions because nobody will do them with me. And I'm not going to sit here by myself and do it. So Trivia masturbation. <laughs> I was She's actually like, thinking about that today, that we need to have uh, a trivia thing <coughs> when we're all together up in New York. Well, this came out in 2011, so it's going to cover all the series that have been on TV um, and all the movies, except for the Is that one, one of those electronic books? Yes. Yeah, which I don't even know if it works anymore. Oh, okay. It does come on. Okay. So she's like, well, here, why don't we get, get rid of this? And I'm like, why, why are you going to go there? <laughs> I'm like, no, I can't get rid of that. She's like, why do you need it? Like it was a gift. So what? Like, all right, woman, don't make me hurt you. So then I pointed to golf clubs that are from the high school. I'm like, really? Why are these in here? I don't play golf. Well, they belong to the school. We'll give them back to the school. <laughs> Why are they sitting here? Well, they don't know we have them. Well, maybe they'd like them back. They would be happy that we would return their golf clubs. <laughs> they don't even have a golf team anymore. 
I'm like, fine, then let's just let's just give them the goodwill. Well, they belong to the school. Then then why are they in my garage again? You know, it's just like it's just like Abbott and Costello. So. <laughs> Third base. Exactly. Break your arm. <laughs> Break your arm, woman. So I did actually get some stuff out of the garage and uh, to make some room so I can I gotta sort my books and do some stuff. Yeah, I've started stuff. I've started sorting through my books. I'm I'm actually I made some real good progress on it. I have the the metal you know the metal shelves with the mm-hmm. books on them, and I have them in boxes that are basically the size of short boxes. Right. I didn't realize. I mean, I always knew I was a Marvel guy, but I didn't realize quite how much. I have 61 boxes of books. Ooh, of nice. those 61, 46 of them are Marvel. Mm. So that that leaves the remaining 15. Of the remaining 15, like 13 of them are DC and two of them are Indies. But that's like uh, three quarters of my collection is Marvel. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, that's that's nothing to cough at. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a little disappointed to see like how how many of the Bronze Age books that I owned at one time I no longer own. Like, I, I didn't realize how many. What, did you sell them? I must have, you know, there must have been books like that I traded and oh. and sold or whatever over the years that I didn't even realize I didn't have anymore. So it's a little disappointing. Who's eating? Been, what's that? I said, who's eating? Not me. I'm eating. Okay. That's yeah, probably the guy who just got off from work. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I got I to keep my eyes open, you know, at... at Different sales and stuff for the, for the Bronze Age books I'm missing. What are you trying to recover? Well, it's funny because uh, you know I was out with Dario and David the other day, and I brought my Marvel list with me. And then Dario says, "You know, I go to all these swap meets and stuff. Let me have your list. Let me have your want list." So I said, "Well, I don't have a want list. I have a have list. It's basically anything that's not listed on here is my want list." <laughs> right. So, but I, you know, I I basically said. Uh, you know, for uh, for Bron- for Bronze Age books, uh, he has carte blanche in the twenty-five and fifty cent bins. Anything that's not on that list, he could just buy, and I'll happily reimburse him for it. Uh, but but I said, you know, and if it's from the nineteen sixties, I said a bu- you know a buck is fine. I'll pay it on any of them. But that's so that's that's the way my I didn't actually figure out a a true want list yet. But I figured that's those are fair prices that that I wouldn't mind paying if he finds bargains of that nature. What a bargain. Well, for Bronze Age books and Silver Age books, I'm thinking, you know, $25, 15 a buck are worth it. Mm. Hey, I found my recorder when I was cleaning the garage. Oh, that's good, because you're going to both bring up your recorders. That's going to be important. Are you definitely going, Scott? Do you have a ticket? I do not have a ticket yet. No ticket. Uh-oh. Oop, Alvin was due for a ooh, January 7th intestinal parasite exam. Oop, missed that. Well, Next. You're going to see one of those worms coming out of the butthole again. I'm eating here. I'm eating here. <laughs> what am I making you hungry? <laughs> mm, gack. Klingon gack. So what, Mike? <laughs> hey, I don't want to hear no shit since I don't have a book tonight. I have a book, but no, I don't you... know. I do. I got it right here. No, no, no. You said you were going to do a Charlton romance book. Where is that? I don't have that. Yeah, okay. There you go. I couldn't find it. It's not my fault. When was the last time you, you recorded the show? I don't know. You always record the show. I don't record the show. When was the last time you were on a recording of this show? Three weeks ago? I don't know. That's a... Uh, uh, was and, it with Shag? You couldn't find the book in all... It was with Shag. Time. It was with Shag, right? Yeah, it was like three weeks ago. Oh. That's, yeah, but... that, just, that just made its way onto the uh, onto the feed. Really? Oh, wow. How, how many do you have in the can? Two, I think. Oh, okay. Scott's in both of them. 
Wow. This is Scott's third show in a row. Unbelievable. I, you, like Luke Gehrig. <laughs> yeah, he's on a streak. <laughs> well, you broke my streak with your, your Luke shows. I didn't break my didn't break your streak. Yes, you did. Well, I guess. When, when was the last think... when was the last episode that I that was a regular episode that I missed? You you could have come on. I didn't come on. I didn't make it. You broke my streak. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> but up until that point, from the point I started doing this show with Scott back in episode 80 whatever, until now, I had not missed a regular episode that entire time. So it's my fault. Yeah, it's your fault. Of course it's your fault. How is it my fault? Is it my fault? We didn't have to put that out as a back to the bins. Yeah, you could have put it out as a... I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't think of something funny. Forget it. <laughs> well, just think. You could just start all over now and break break your streak again. You're like, what's his name? You are you are the Cal Ripken of podcasting. How's that? I'm like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joe DiMaggio. I hate football. It's baseball, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I'm like Joe DiMaggio because he had his 56-game hitting streak. He missed a game. And then I think he hit like an 18 more after that. <laughs> Baseball trivia. Welcome to Baseball Trivia Podcasting. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. <laughs> you starting the show and I got a mouthful of food? Blah, blah, mouthful. blah. You got some mouth on you. You got a purdy mouth. <laughs> How unprofessional. I just figured I'd throw the two of you off by going right into it. Whoa. Hello, and welcome to another Back to the Bids where I don't have a book. Let me just get that out of the way now before I get hammered for it later. Oh, my God. What's he doing here? Who? You. Oh, I got a book, but you guys don't. You get, you're too tired. We're old men and have to go to sleep. Boo-hoo-hoo. So let me just put that out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but come on, you're full of shit. I got diverticulitis. It's, it's okay, we're going to do Back to the Bins. Scott, what are you picking? Oh, I'm going to do a Hulk book. Paul, what are you doing? I'm going to do a Superman book. How about you, Bill? What do you got for the Independent? I no, can't find nah, I'm, I'm going to pick an Avengers book and make an Avengers spotlight all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find the Charlton Romance book. Hey, look, look, look. I, go ahead, I can't go ahead, work go ahead, go ahead. I can't work under these conditions because my wife's in here feeding the cat now. You don't work under these conditions. That's the problem. Hey, I work. I work hard. So you don't have money. He works hard for it, honey. <laughs> See, you, 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 you made my poor wife leave. She just walked out. I don't blame her. Keep walking, honey. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Got good walking away as she does walking towards you. Hey, hey, yeah. Oh, uh, get the frying. We'll get rid of him. As a, as a frying pan comes flying in here. Wong! <laughs> so. Dead silence. What's new with you guys? Well, why don't we bring it in and then we'll talk about what's new. I thought we did bring it oh, in. I thought, I thought we, we never were actually in. brought it in. We started to. We had a couple nice. of false starts. So that was the preamble? Oh, that was the preamble. Lord. Okay. All right. <clears throat> hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I am Paul Spataro, and I am joined by my good buddy, Scott Gardner. Hi. And my bookless friend, Dr. Bill Robinson. <laughs> you s- <laughs> I was going to do that myself. I was going to show, like, Shoeless Joe Jackson. I was going to be bookless Bill Robinson. I think that's your new name. Get rid of the doctor. Oh, that's, yep, that's going to stick. 
Bookless Bill Robinson. Dr. Bookless Bill Robinson. No, no, the doctor's gone. What? I've been stripped of the doctor title? Your medical license has been suspended. Thank God. I should have been practicing anyway. (laughs) Bookless Bill. Bookless Bill. I love it. I love it. I got a book, just not for the show. I couldn't find a Charlton Romance one. It's all my book. It's make believe. (laughs) Apollo Smile 3. Was there an Apollo Smile 3? No. Did it only go two issues? I don't I'm I don't I'm not even joking. Uh no, really? I, it only I, lasted two I, issues? Shut up, Scott. <laughs> I believe it was Angry Bill. Like, you belligerent bookless bill. Belligerent bookless bill. <laughs> Stanley would be proud. <laughs> yes, such alliteration. So you guys got any comics news? Um Okay. What are you guys reading these days? What are you reading for fun that you're not talking about on a podcast? Uh, I read Darth Vader number one today. How was that? Oh, you know what? I know how that was. I read that one. Duh. <laughs> Did you like it? <laughs> uh, my name is Bob Scott. Well, I, was, I, was, I was thinking. <laughs> look at, I was look thinking at Scott just issue. screwing up by having books. <laughs> I, I was thinking the, the second issue is Star Wars. I haven't I haven't read that one yet. But I did read the Darth Vader. I, li- I liked it. Did you like I started, it? I started to read it. I haven't gotten that far into it. But it, I like the fact that it turns it all around. It makes them into the good guys. Mm-hmm. I liked it better than the main Star Wars book so far. Have you guys read uh, Star War- or Star Trek, rather, Star Trek Planet of the Apes number two yet? I, I also started that and didn't get through it yet. But, it, but I, I liked what I read so far. So good. Just uh, so by good. way of a teaser, uh, Scott and I and perhaps... All right, Sputter, Sputter Start Spataro. Are you going to finish something? <laughs> yeah, well, let's run it right now. What can I tell you? It's, uh, um, it's all full starts. But uh, by way of teaser, Scott and I, and maybe Bookless Bill, will be doing a uh, an episode on the Star Trek Planet of the Apes series when it's completed. Yeah. That's if they could ever get the rest of them from Korea because of the... I guess there's an issue with getting IDW books from overseas because of some um, shipping issues with uh, unions and labor disputes. Blah 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 blah. Well, maybe they should have printed really? it in America. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I thought we were still printing comics in Canada. Do we not do that anymore? Blame Canada. Yeah, they got lots of trees. I mean, I, I know that was a big thing in the in the 80s and 90s. Is that not a thing anymore? Now we're doing it in friggin' Korea? Really? Well, I mean, at least IDW does. I don't know about Marvel oh, and DC okay. if they have an um, in-the-states publisher. But, I, but I, there was something I read on Facebook saying that IDW was like apologizing in advance that certain books were going to be delayed a couple weeks because of the, uh, the labor disputes on the West Coast oh, and the books coming from sick. Korea. Yeah. At least they're written in English. Of a sort. I mean, can that really be cheaper to be doing it and, and shipping it over from Korea? Well, dude, that's where a lot of, uh, you know, it's where like a lot of our manufacturing. If, if we want to go back in history, well, I, I can understand you know. like like cheap toys and shit like that. But I'm talking like paper, really? Yeah, you know, yeah. I I can understand toys that kids are gonna like choke on and die. But what? But don't <laughs> right. ruin my comics, man. <laughs> my comics. Yeah, the lead paint toys and all that. Yeah, I can get that. But comics. Get some lead ink comics. <laughs> well, I, I guess it is cheaper. I, I guess for IDW to to print over there. I mean, it must I it know. must have something to do with the volume that you know you you they're printing so many that right the, the shipping so costs many? become negligible per book. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I don't know either. I didn't know they were printing them in Korea until Bill just said it, so I wouldn't treat it as fact. Uh, <laughs> just because Bill said it? Yeah, I just make up facts. Bill, Bill is not Bill is not re- as reliable as, say, Wikipedia. <laughs> Ooh. Ouch. Billipedia. Of course, he has all that time that he's not synopsizing books to look things up also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Bill. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Poor Bill. Poor, poor Bill. No, nah, I, I got nothing. I haven't. I haven't really bought any new comics lately, other than the new uh, Star Wars and Star Trek. That's about it, really. Uh, mm. I've been reading like a fool, though. I'm. Uh, I finally finished my my complete read through of everything. Rom the the series and all the the cro- you know the appearances and crossovers and all that sort of thing and reread everything Marvel cosmic from annihilation all the way through to the current stuff. Cause I've been wanting to get to, you know, ca- you know, caught back up to current day stuff. So now I'm caught up to the point where, um, infinity has just started. And so I've got infinity and I've got all the crossovers. It's like 50 books all together. And I thought, Oh my God, this is going to be a slog, but I'm telling you what, man, I am burning through this and loving it so far. I'm about 10 books in. And it's it's going all over the place. I mean, it's not just the Marvel cosmic stuff. You've got Avengers and uh, you know the female Captain Marvel and all these other books and everything. Um, Thunderbolts, which I when I first started reading it, I'm like, I don't even know what the hell's going on here. You've got General Ross leading like the Punisher and Deadpool and Venom. That's actually not Venom. It's uh, Flash Thompson and all these. And I'm like. What is this shit? And the art's horrible. But I got sucked right in, man. <laughs> I'm actually enjoying it a lot. It's actually some pretty good stuff. So so far, I'm having I'm having fun with it. It's it's fun. It's good I stuff. Start, well, first of all, when when are you going to get to the Jim Stalin cosmic? Eventually, when I when I'm completely caught up to where I want to be, which is pretty much I want to be caught up present day with Marvel cosmic. So when I'm when I'm entirely caught up with that, then I'm gonna go back and uh, I'm gonna I want to read through all of Captain Marvel and Warlock. No, you don't. And... No, 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 you don't. You want to no, start I, I actually... Captain Marvel. You want to start Captain Marvel with Jim Stalin and everything before that. You don't want to read. I did the read through of that like a year ago. I'm telling you, you don't want to. Well, I just I'd be I'd be afraid I won't know what the hell's going on if I start it like you know anywhere other than at the beginning and I. I actually started that a while back, and and then I had to to jump because I jumped to something else. But I read the first couple of uh, of appearances with Captain Marvel from when he appeared in Marvel Superheroes. Mm-hmm. And while the story's a little wonky, I, I'm really digging the um, the Gene Colan art quite a bit. Yeah, that's so it. Has I, that I, don't know. I mean, I can suffer through it. I mean, they, they he... clearly they clearly did not know what story they wanted to tell. Right, and, and it, it it smells of we we can produce we can put this book out now. Let's do it quick, and we can get the uh, the copyright on the name Captain Marvel. Right, but I don't know what to do with this character, so we'll just slog along and try and come up with something. Remember how like Thor was directionless when it first started? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That this makes Thor look like you know like they absolutely knew what they were doing. <laughs> well, when did? Uh... When did Starlin come along on Captain Marvel? Around twenty six, I'd say. Oh damn, that is that is a lot to slog through then. And and he started actually, I think the first 
couple. There's like an issue of Iron Man, and then there's two issues of Marvel Feature, which was basically Marvel two and one only before it right. started. Right. Uh, and then he did Captain Marvel, and he did you know had a little bit of Avengers in there, and then he eventually went over and did Warlock, and that's all right. good stuff. Stalin what I might do, honestly, then if I if I well, you know, this might actually make a lot more sense. What I might do then is not necessarily do a a Captain Marvel read through and a Warlock read through. What I might do is I, I might do something I was just talking about on um, I think it must have been on Comics Monthly Monday about when I I, I like to create lists of of creators now mm-hmm. based off of using Mike's Amazing World site. So I might actually make myself a Jim Starlin reading list. I think if you if you do a Google search for Jim Starlin reading order, I think they'll I think there's stuff out there. Hmm. I think I might do it that way. That that might be a more logical approach to take. Because I'm really interested in the Marvel cosmic stuff, but I'm really at this point the stuff I'm most wanting to get caught up on, you know, of the of the classic stuff that I haven't read yet would be Jim Starlin. I mean he pretty much is Marvel Cosmic anyway, but yeah. That's that's the stuff I'm really interested in because so much of the stuff that I've recently gotten into is based on on his concepts and his ideas and everything, but also he's staying active with it too, which is actually pretty neat. So, one of the things I have on my uh, on my reading list as soon as I'm done with Infinity is he just came out with a graphic novel last year, uh, Thanos: The Infinity Revelation. Have you read that? No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard good it, things about it, so it may be worth. It, it looks interesting. Yeah, it looks very interesting. But I'm just I'm looking forward to being. I mean, I, I feel like I'm caught up. If you know what I mean. I mean, I'm I'm lagging behind about a year. It's about a year and a half, which is for me is not bad. Because, you know, as long as I've been collecting and reading comics, I'm hardly ever like the up to the minute guy when it comes to comics anyway, just because, you know, I, I just have so much stuff going on and I'm always reading so much stuff. So I'm, I'm hardly ever like caught right up to like the very current issues or what. But I'm trying to get there with this stuff just because I'm digging it so much. But I, I always say like, you know, we, we always have this backlog of stuff to read. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to get it read, but if we ever meet our goal, we're going to be pissed off because we're not going to have a backlog <laughs> of stuff to read. Yeah, I'm. You know, I used to worry about that, but you know, that was a long time ago. That was when I was a newbie collector. Because now, I have long since come to terms with the fact that I won't live long enough to read all the unread books and comics and everything that I I, I just couldn't. You know. Yeah. I no, mean, it's when true. I, when I, when I look at, you know, because my collection, the way I have it split up, I have it actually split by here's everything I've ever read, here's everything I've never read. And I actually have it that way in my house and in my collection. And my unread stack now vastly outweighs my red stack. Well, that red <laughs> stack represents my life. I hey, don't have uh, enough uh, life left. You know, to tackle the unread. So, well, I think you, you, know. you go into that unread stack and you pick out the stuff that, you know what, I know for a fact I'm never reading this shit. And you put it on the red side and don't worry about it. Because <laughs> there's certain books you know. I need to put it on the eBay so side. That's what I need to do. Be like, I'm never going to read this shit and just get rid of it. That's what I need to do. But, eh, that doesn't happen. This past weekend, I met up with uh, our buddies uh, Dario Gonzalez and Dave Pascarella. And uh, we met at one of the local stores over here. The original talk was we were going to go to uh, Midtown Comics. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the reason for that is just because it's such a well-known store. 
but it's really, you know, it's a trip into Manhattan, which is a much more lengthy trip. And I've been to Midtown Comics. I always felt it's overpriced. So I wasn't really that psyched about going, to be honest with you. Psyched to get to get together with the guys, but the comic store, not so much. And uh, Mike Sidurlo was going to try and come and meet us, too. But uh, it, it ended up Mike couldn't make it because he had uh, child, uh, child watching duties to take care of and couldn't get away. And then I had some issues with getting away because I had to take my daughter somewhere. So I was going to bail. But then the two of them said, well, is there a store close to you? We'll go there and we'll, you know, we'll meet you and it won't take so long. So we, we went by one of the stores over here, Best Comics. And uh, their bins are usually, uh, you know, they're, they're various prices. But if you buy 10, they're a dollar each. So, uh, but they were running a sale on Fantastic Four. Any, anyone's from the bins on Fantastic Four, Submariner. New Mutants, not New not new Mutants, excuse me, New Warriors, and something else. I don't recall what it was. So I ended up picking up, uh, you know, from the ni- 90s books, but I ended up filling some holes in my FF and my Submariner collection. I ended up buying, I'd say about, I think I paid $32, so it'd be like 64 books. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's nice when you get to, to fill in some holes like that, and it's not costing you an arm and a leg, you know? Right, yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing is I mean I don't mind getting them but I I, just, I don't want to I don't want to spend top dollar for any of that stuff especially '90s stuff you know it's it's just not worth it to me I find well, I can get them cheap like not... that it's nice to bring a big haul home right I find there's just not any need to spend a lot of money for that stuff because a lot of that stuff's just you know it's it's out there in such quantity that most places are just desperate to <laughs> desperate to kind of get rid of it on the cheap. Yeah, I'm assuming like a place like that, you know, probably they buy a lot of collections and they probably, for that stuff, they probably give them like a dime each. And then, right. So whatever you, you know, whatever they get and turning it around quickly is, is profit for them. You know, the, the worst thing for them is to have it just sit there in their, uh, in their bins, you know, and not get moved. Just sit there and rot. Yep. So I, w- I want to try exactly. and get one day over to, uh, one of the guys from CGS that that was on, you know, it was Adam Murdo and and uh, Chris Eberle. Mm-hmm. Chris owns a store in uh, in Jersey called Wild Pig Comics. Right. Yeah. And they they he does a big sale every year where it's supposed to be you know like real good stuff in the bins. So I'd, I'd really like to get to that one year. I've heard a lot of good things about that sale. There was somebody. Damn, now I can't remember who it was, and I feel really badly for saying that, that I can't remember who it was, but there was somebody that used to go to that sale whenever they would have it and send me stuff from it, and now for the life of me, I can't remember who it was, but somebody sent me like the, remember when the, what company would it have been, IDW, I guess, did the Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan comic book adaptation? Yes, yes. I After all those years, somebody sent me that. And they picked it up at Wild Pig for, I want to say, like 50 cents a piece or something like that and sent it to me, which I really appreciated because it actually was really good. I liked it a lot. As much as as Bill's Con book? Uh, It actually sounded like it was a lot better than Bill's Con book. (laughs) Has that a reflection on the synopsis of the book? A little from column A, a little from column B. (laughs) Uh, Bill's infamous Con synopsis. (laughs) Synopsis that never ends. Should make a should make a song out of it, you know, like the song that never ends. Only that's the synopsis that never ends. <laughs> that was that's my buddy Bill. <laughs> uh, he needs to get his ass back here so we can get this show going. Yeah, I think because I'm I think we're ready to start jumping into some books. I, I don't know how long I can vamp being this tired. 
before I, before I just pull a shag and fall asleep. <laughs> that keeps coming up. Even when he was on the show, it did with us. I brought it up at one point. You know, so something to the effect of, I guess it wasn't too bad you stayed up through the whole show. <laughs> I and, enjoyed it though. I thought it, I thought it was a good. Uh, thought it was a good show. I thought it was a good conversation. Yeah, I was. I, I we figured you'd be uh, disappointed to miss out on the Marvel team up and possibly no. the world's finest. No, not really. I was disappointed to miss out on the. Uh, you guys made all kinds of fun of me about it, but I really was disappointed to miss out on the um, challenges of the unknown. Well, it's it's not. We weren't making fun of you because you were disappointed to miss out on it. Really, what it came down to was in the afternoon when Bill said, "Help me pick out a book to do." I said, "Okay, let's let's pick something off the beaten path. This way, Scott doesn't get annoyed that we right. picked." There's so we went no out way of our way about to this pick one. out a book that wouldn't piss you off, and we still pissed you off. <laughs> Didn't piss me off. I was just, I was like, oh. But that's, but it was like, okay, you know, yeah, challenges of the unknown. We've never done challenges of the unknown. We, I don't think we've even ever discussed them in any way, shape, or form. We'll do that. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, harmless. And then it was like, oh, damn, you're doing this book. <laughs> See, that's the thing is if you had picked from any other era of challengers except that one brief stint toward the very end of that series where it had both uh, Dead Man and Swamp Thing in it, if you had picked any of that crap from when did they come out? Like the six fifties or sixties? Fifties. I've got some of the like really early stuff where they were battling the what was it, the the um what was that guy's name? The animal vegetable mineral man or that's something like that. Control. You know, any that's of that Doom shit. I'd have been like, yeah, knock yourself out, you know? But that wasn't challenges. That was Doom Patrol. Oh, okay. Challengers, Doom Patrol. What's the difference, really? Superpowers. <laughs> challengers <laughs> didn't have superpowers. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know what I mean. I mean, there there was I mean, I, I just I, I I couldn't care less about the challengers, honestly, but it was just that that's one what I era. Well, it was but, just that one era because I—it's weird because I was just getting into comics, you know, j- as far as collecting, and there was there was somebody ran an ad in our local newspaper. God, I'm trying to think of how old I was. I, I could not have been very old at all, you know. Like pr- I was probably a tween, mm-hmm. and I went to their house to check on the ad, and th- you know, so this just tells you what a different world it was back then, you know, because there's this ad ad in the paper. Hey, comic books are selling comic books. So I go all by myself being, I was probably, I don't know, 12, 13 years old or something like that, if even that old. Go by myself. Could have wind up, you know, could have wound up, you know, hacked into hamburger down in their basement or something, you know, because my parents didn't go with me. But I went and it was uh, it was some older kids and they were selling off all of their, it was like their comics and like their older brother's comics and stuff. Just this massive pile of comics that they were selling off. And I have no idea what I paid for. It seems like it wasn't very much money because, I mean, I wouldn't have had a lot of money anyway. But I bought them, threw them all in a garbage bag. and It was so heavy I had to drag the garbage bag home, got home and started going through it. And, and there was just so – it was such an eclectic mix of comics. But I remember that's where I discovered, I mean, a lot of like off the beaten path stuff that I wouldn't realize for years that it was off the beaten path. Because I got, you know, that's where I got, um, I don't know if it was specifically that issue, but I got an issue of Challengers that had Dead Man and Swamp Thing in it. I remember getting an issue of uh, Adventure Comics during the time when Supergirl was, you know, she was the lead feature in the book. And it was an issue with 
oh god what was her name the enchantress and i remember being really taken with that because it was pretty clear that the enchantress didn't wear a bra Woo-hoo. And you know, just all this weird shit, you know, that uh, that was in that collection that I bought, and that it just kind of fueled my my interest. Like it was such a great mishmash collection, you know, as a first purchase of a collection that it just, you know, it just fueled me. I was like, oh, you know, I, I like this. I got to get more of this, and it just, you know, it just set me on that path for life. You know, <laughs> scored you for life. It did. I mean, I mean there's some really good stuff in there. I remember there was. Um, I can't remember what the issue number is. Eighty six, I think the the Green Lantern Green Arrow issue where uh, Speedy was a junkie. Mm-hmm. Is that GL eighty six? I'm not sure of the number, but I know the issue you're talking about. Yeah, that one. I think everybody there. knows which issue you're talking about. Yeah, that issue was in there. I'm trying to remember what else was in there. Just you know, but but just a great mishmash collection, you know. But but some really you know some wild stuff, some weird stuff. And then, uh, and then a few real like classic gems were in there too, but uh, yeah, just kind of kind of set me on that on that tone. Where the hell is Bill, man? Yeah, this would be fun how if long, Bill were here. How long does it take to to clean up cat puke? Well, uh, you know, it, he he does have like a super powered cat. I mean, maybe <laughs> the puke may be like on, right you know, flaming or something. <laughs> like it might might be cor- corrosive with acid in it. I don't know. So you back, Bill? Yeah, I'm back. You bring your books? Is that a cleaning up cat puke? Was that like a euphemism for something else? No, no, it's not. Oh, okay, I'm not even sure what that could be a euphemism for. <laughs> no, one thing my wife can't deal with is anything that the animals throw up. But because can... because most women love that. Well, I mean, she find can... it to be to be a turn on. Well, I mean, she's like when my part of my son's face got ripped off. She put that back in place, and she's cleaned up dog poop and cat poop. But man, if they throw up, forget it. She can't handle it. That's why she's like, oh. So, and it was uh, the cat wolfed down everything and just roughed it right back up. That's so, what Ben ripped out relatives' faces off. Now Ben got in an accident when he was like three, and he like ripped a corner of his face like, the size of a Dorito. And it like folded down, oh, like yeah. for, for, from we the corner stopped. of his eye. Hmm. Hey, we. Uh, I don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either, man. I was like, save this for your plastic <laughs> surgery <laughs> podcast. I, I was like, blah 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 blah. She was like, she flapped that thing back on, put ice on it, and grabbed him and t- 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 drove him to the oh, hospital. And I, and I was still standing there going, <laughs> got the staple gun. Yeah, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. A little crazy glue, band-aid, and we're done. Good as new. <laughs> uh, I I put two links up the, in the chat box. One was for the thing about IDW being delayed, and the other one was your reading order for Jim Starlin books. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And that was about so, the so time. You know, Scott, you would just apologize for Bill to say for saying that he doesn't bring anything to the show. Uh, behind <laughs> the scenes research. That? Well, you implied it. <laughs> Oh, really? But I didn't come right out and say it, though. Well, I guess not. <laughs> or did I? I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe that was me. <laughs> you know, who's I'm going record- first on this bad I'm boy? I'm recording this. Well, you have you have the Marvel. So do you want to go first? I can go first. I guess I have the slightly more intelligible book of the of the mm-hmm. two that we have tonight. Slightly. Well, it's not overstated, though. <laughs> 
All right, so for my book, we are going way back to June 1994 for The Incredible Hulk, number 418. This was on sale April 19th, 1994, a week after my birthday back in 1994. Let me see, what was I turning in 94? I was... I don't know. I was told there'd be no math. What was I in 94? I was 26, I think. I don't know, something like that. Whatever you were, you were younger than Paul. (laughs) Uh, Title of this story is We Are Gathered Here. You know, it just occurred to me, I I didn't write down what the original cover price was on this. Either you guys looking at the thing right at the moment? $1.50. Dollar fifty. Okay. Yep. Here we go. A dollar fifty on this, and it actually came in two versions as well. It came in a, in a regular and a, and a deluxe format version. I think I have the deluxe one because mine has like the, like the sturdier. I don't want to say cardboard, but like that that just sturdier paper on the cover of it. So I think the one I have is the deluxe version. Anyway, uh, I kept the credits on this to a bare minimum just to, to save time and space. So I just, I'm going to give you the writer, penciler, and inker. We've got Peter David is the writer on this one. This is clearly in the Peter David era of Hulk. Uh, Gary Frank is the penciler, and Cam Smith was the inker. And that's all I, I bothered to put down on this one. So, Rick Jones, not content that he is set to marry a smoking hot redhead who's way out of his weight class, pisses and moans because he found out last issue that she was in some nudie films back in her youth. So she storms off, and then she has a dream in which she sells her soul to a dude in a trench coat just to make it all better with Rick. When she awakes, Rick comes in and apologizes, and suddenly the wedding is back on again. Captain America and the Hulk looking flat, re-goddamn-diculous in tuxedos, prep Jones for his big day while the redhead is likewise attended to by her mom and her friends. Who's feeling up her boobs, by the way? Uh Well, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, but I'm not a girl. (laughs) She sees the trench coat guy in her reflection and freaks out, but nobody else seems to see him. Among the many super celebrity guests that show up, such as the Silver Surfer, War Machine, North Star, and that werewolf chick from New Mutants, none other than Rom, former Space Knight, and his lady love, Brandy Clark, arrive. Rick barely recognizes his old buddy now that he is back in human form. The ceremony begins, and Captain America walks Margot, Rick's fiance, down the aisle to where Peter David is presiding over the occasion. David barely gets the barely beloved part started when a big green doofus drops out of the sky and threatens to upset the entire proceeding. This is Drax, the the destroyer, in his dumbass phase, but the Hulk diffuses the situation by telling him that he can stay since he, somehow or other, has an invitation. The ceremony barely resumes when a ship approaches and out drops the Wizard, the Absorbing Man, the Living Laser, and Mr. Hyde. Hulk girds up for a tussle, but it turns out that these guys were invited too. Things turn really volatile when the Skrulls and Kree show up, and due to a mix-up in the seating arrangements, a war threatens to erupt, but a terse sit-down from the Silver Surfer calms the situation. Peter David tries again uh, to get these crazy kids hitched when Mephisto bubbles up out of the pool. He's come for Margot's soul. 
Turns out that even an agreement made in a dream is legally binding, which, if true, means that I am due some serious back pay for all the dream stay overtime that I've put in in various jobs over the years. Anyway, the Hulk whoops his ass and Mephisto fades away, claiming that uh, corrupting the Hulk was his whole plan from the get-go. Eventually, Rick and Margot do get married. Sue Storm gets all weird and creepy with her marriage advice. And that death chick from DC's vertical line gives Margot a hairbrush. The end. So, I wanted to keep this one short and sweet because honestly, it ain't much of a story. I mean, but that's not to say it's not a hell of a lot of fun. Because I, I, I don't want to make it sound like, like I'm being disparaging because I didn't like it or something. I actually thought it was a lot of fun. But this is in that weird... I don't know what you would call it. I don't know if you'd call it a transitional phase or, or what of comics, but it's not really even that, like it's decompressed or anything. It just moves. It moves really fast. You don't have caption boxes, or at least if, if there are any in here, they're kept to an absolute bare minimum. But it's it's very it's just scene and dialogue driven as far as keeping you turning the, you know, from, you know, from transition to transition and, and keeping it uh, flowing along, but it really moves. And, uh, you know, for a special anniversary issue and everything, I mean, it's a super fast read. I mean, it really motored along, but uh, a lot of fun. I mean, I really liked uh, David's handle on the different characters, but the mood and the, and the tone of the thing is very lighthearted, but also still managed to, to work in some character beats as well. But it's, it's the, the biggest thing with this is it's just fun. I mean, it's, it's got mm -hmm. some really good comedy beats in it. And even with it being a fairly dark story about Mephisto coming for her soul and everything, it still manages to feel pretty lighthearted. Um, I was impressed with the artwork. I, I think it's easy to forget given Frank's more recent work that this guy had chops at one time. I don't know why he descended into that creepy dead-eyed shit that he was doing for DC and, and you know doing the creepy Christopher Reeve stuff with Superman and all that. But back when he was doing like at this time, I mean, this is some great stuff. I really like his art. He's he's right up there with um, oh god, who was that guy that was working on Justice League covers for DC for the longest time? You know who I'm talking about? That guy was a hell of a of a I'm not you know who's that? Said, I'm not sure. M Michael Turner? No, no. D during the during the eighties, ladies in eighties and the nineties. Um, anyway, I, I can't think of him, but I see this style as being very similar to that because that guy had a real knack for the the faces and the character, really being able to portray a lot of emotion and. Uh, really good comedic timing with faces. I just can't think of the, the artist's name at the moment, but I, well, I really was, like the art in this. What else was Gary hmm. Frank doing uh, other, uh, other than the Hulk? Because I'm more familiar with his newer stuff, and you're right, it does always have that dead-eyed, creepy look to it. Right. And I was surprised that when I was when I read this, I'm like, this is Gary Frank? Wow. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering where else I saw him and didn't realize it was him back in the past. See, I could be wrong, but I think he got his start on this. But where he really see, I'd forgotten that he worked on the Hulk. Where where he came to my attention was actually when he was doing Peter David's Supergirl series, and by that time he was kind of sliding into more of his more current art style. Hmm. But I think he, I don't, I don't know if he necessarily started with the Hulk, but I think Hulk was one of his earliest things that he did. 
I haven't gotten to this then, point with my reading of the Hulk because it's I haven't just haven't got back to it in in years. So I've never right. progressed this far. So I didn't realize he was doing the artwork in this. Hmm. You, you did. I, I don't know how long uh, that it's Peter David officiating at the wedding, right? What I'm saying? I said, yeah. You, you did pick up that it's Peter David officiating right, yeah. at the wedding, right? Yeah, yeah. I said that in my in oh, the you did okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as soon as think, you as soon as you turn to page fifteen and you see the the priest, yeah, that is that is very clearly Peter David. I think Sue Storm is kind of dark because this is the, the point uh, in Fantastic Four where Reed was missing again and presumed right. dead for quite a long time. Right, I think like a twenty five issue span he was gone. Right, but she's so just really like she, a bummer in this this part. That's why she's just got more with her. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. Now, yeah, that is the DC Vertigo version of death, and she talks about Thanos. But why did she leave her hairbrush? Am I missing something? Uh, yeah, I didn't get that. Maybe if we yeah, read DC, the... we'd know what that means. Maybe I'm I'm assuming so. That you know, the really funny thing about this is, as much as I enjoyed it and and really got into it, and I picked up new things from because I read this once. I think I got this out of like a fifty cent bin or something years ago. And I read it once at the time just because it looked interesting and everything. But reading this again, I, I got a few more things out of it than I did the first time. Because this is not an era of, of Hulk I'm familiar with because I had dropped Hulk way before this point. But going through it again and rereading it, as much as I picked up out of it and as much as I enjoyed it, there's there's just as many things, maybe even more things, that left me scratching my head going, I don't know what the hell they're even referring to here. The The thing that really threw me is on page, I think it's page 18. Yeah, page 18. All right, so you've got the Hulk storming over to find out why the wizard and those guys are showing up, and he looks like he's ready to just beat some ass. And Leonard Sampson comes up and basically talks him out of doing anything. Since they have invitations, clearly they're supposed to be there. And so the Hulk turns around, and he defers to Rick and he says, Rick, you're as experienced as I am in these matters. It's your wedding, your call. And it, he turns around and at first it looks like he's looking at his fiance, but then you realize he's actually glancing into the crowd and he's making eye contact with, Ronnie, I never know how to rain, pronounce her. Ron, Is it rain? Yeah. I think it's I think rain. It's, rain yeah. from the, the new mutants. And there was a scene earlier with the two of them that kind of sounded like maybe they had some history well, I, I know in this one comes point, out of left field for me. She was macking on Alex Summers when she was in X Factor. So right. I don't know where. Let's face it, she's a slut. Well, that's fine, but when the hell did she and Rick Jones ever hook up? I don't remember that. Well, there is a reference on page 14 to, to Hulk 392, so I don't know if maybe something happened then. Yeah, I'm going to have to hunt that up because it says here uh, they're talking, and she says, uh, somewhat better circumstances than when I last saw you. And then there's that note for Hulk 392. I'm going to have to look that up and see what that's all about. So evidently they have some sort of history. But I don't know if it's obvious or not, but the reason I read this, the reason that I'm bringing this one to the, the table today is, like I said, I just finished my uh, my complete read-through of everything ROM Space Night. And this was on the list of, of one of the ROM appearances and I almost skipped it. I was like, eh, I've read it. I, I know he just shows up for like two panels and that's it kind of thing. And then I thought, eh, what the hell? I'm being thorough. I'll pull it back out. I'll reread it. It's been a couple of years since I read it. And I'm really glad I did because I really enjoy it. I mean, Rom is, you know, he's he's actually in it for just four panels. So it's, it's just a brief little thing. But what's fun about this is that this is something that 
it's actually Peter David getting away with something is what it is, because by this point, Marvel didn't have the rights to Rom anymore, so they couldn't use him. And the only mm. way they get away with it here is that this is human Rom. It's not Rom as a space knight, and there's no mention of space knights or anything, although there is a mention of Galador, but Marvel owned Galador. So what they didn't own and they don't have any rights to is the space knight image of Rom. But apparently... I, I, at least here anyway, it kind of looks like they could use Rom so long as they used him in human form. So it, it's kind of weird. It's some sort of, I guess, must be some sort of legal gray area or something. But I was kinda, actually kind of shocked that Rick calls him Rom because I would think that they must own the name, you would think. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's it's really, it's very strange. But I liked his haircut I liked better it. I when it was he was fun. robotic. I'm sorry? I said I liked his haircut better when he was robotic. Right. <laughs> uh, I looked at three. I just did a quick search on three ninety two. It was uh-huh. like the wrapping up of a of a storyline. Um, X Factor X Factor faces the Pantheon's forces until they discover that they've manipulated by Farnock. Chaos is tied to an atomic missile that is launched, but Hulk saves Chaos. Farnock is captured, but his people forgive him. He even worships him. Rick Jones kills him by shooting him. Him from the Mandroid armor. So it doesn't say anything about any something between the two of them. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that happened later or, or what. So unknown. Well, I have, Oh, I, okay. It's got, yep. it shows havoc strapped to a missile. Yeah. Launched. Yeah. I'm looking at the cover. Of, I have this issue. I have not read this, so I'm going to have to dig so. it out and check it out. Just the fact that it has havoc and Polaris in it. Sounds like something I'd probably really enjoy. Cause uh, I, I like both those characters a lot. Well, it's a great cover on that. Who what was that artist's name? Is that Dale? Is that Dale Keown? Uh, yes, it is Dale Keown. Yeah. Yep. That's oh, I him. like his stuff. He's a damn good artist. I liked when he came to the Hulk. But yeah, that's all I really got on this. I mean, it, it's it's short, sweet. It, it's just it's meant to be like the com. It's it's I think it's supposed to be you know lighthearted and and kind of fluffy, which it is. But I got a kick out of it. I thought it was fun. Who's yeah, fluffy? I uh, I thought it was. I don't know. It kind of felt like you know when you when you eat something and you're hungry right afterwards. Like they, they mm-hmm. didn't feel like there was much going on there, despite us selling our soul. Uh, Story wise, I, I mean, I don't think this is one of Peter David's stronger stories. Uh, I don't know. I I guess it's kind of cool that they're tying in Rick Jones's history in the Marvel universe. Uh, you know, with Captain America, with Rom, with the Hulk. Uh, if, if he had still been alive at this time, you would have had Captain Marvel in there as well. Uh, right. But the story, I don't know, it's, it's it, it leaves me a little flat. It just, you know, like I said, I kind of finish it and think, okay, that's all. Uh, artwork-wise, come of two minds because I really like the artwork. I really like the color palette for for a story about like selling your soul and all. It's got a very bright color palette. It just seems mm-hmm. to fit the story very well. Um, I don't like the styles of the day, and that's what bothers me about the artwork. It's not that it's badly rendered. I don't like the Hulk with the, the sides of his head being shaved. I don't like everybody wearing ponytails. Uh, right. You know, I, it's just just kind of the looks of the day that kind of get on my nerves. I'm thinking, no, stop. Uh, but but other than that, I like the artwork and I think it's it's pretty solid. I mean, on the cover, you know, the Hulk with the head sides of his head shaved and and with a tear rolling down his face. If if he wasn't, you know, the matter he gets, the stronger he gets, and he'd rip me into several pieces. You want to go over and just smack him? 
Captain America with a tuxedo over hey, it his looks costume. Ridiculous. Which, yeah, you know, it, it's something it looks... out of Batman '66. You know. Yeah, that looks ridiculous. And Hulk on the cover, looks particularly girly man on that cover, I must say. Who's it? The Hulk. Don't you yeah. think? Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. You just want to go over and smack him, except you know he'd rip you limb from limb. <laughs> now, now on the cover, you got the Hulk up front. You got uh, Rick and what's a Marla. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then you got She-Hulk, Doctor Samson, Iron Man to the to the right. You got Captain America and Nick Fury to the left. Who is that in between Captain America and Nick Fury? Do we know? Where is this again? Um, Which page? I think the those cover. are the two guys oh, that were cover. serving as um, as ushers there in the very because. All right. So when you when you go to page seven. You've got the title page and everything. And then there's those two guys that are talking. And then one guy's name is Keith. The other Keith one's Ray, Ray. But I don't know who the hell they're supposed to be. Mm. Yeah, for, uh, for cover purposes, I would have rather they did, you know, the Silver Surfer. And uh, right. they part of, like, the, what uh, what was Rick a member of? Uh, the, the Ham Radio Club? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Could the they be teen, members the, of that? The Teen Brigade the teen or brigade. whatever? Yeah, yeah, maybe. The Stupid Brigade. Yeah, at first I thought maybe they were supposed to be like his brothers or something because they kind of look like him, but I think he's like an orphan or something, right? Right. So hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Please. All I know is that uh, is that uh, Gary Frank draws a, a beautiful redhead. He Oof. does a really good job with her. He he Ow. shows the attention for her. Yeah, no, yeah, the, artwork, Cap- the artwork is good. Like I said, it's, it's more more just the character models of the day that I'm not crazy about. But the artwork itself, I like a lot. And uh, do you think Cap would work better if his his tuxedo was star spangled? No, no he should have just, just been Steve Rogers. Rogers. Yeah, he should he should have just taken off his Captain America mask and worn one of uh, because he's known as Steve Rogers. Why does he have to wear his Cap outfit? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't get that. Didn't get that at all. Yeah, I mean it's it's not particularly deep or anything, but it it had some cute little moments, and you know it kept reminding me of something the whole way through, and it took me a while to figure it out. I, I have no idea what issue number it would be, but there was a, a wedding issue of the Savage Dragon as well. I can't even remember what the hell characters it was that was getting married in that, but there was a great moment in it with the the bride who actually looked a lot like Marlo looks in this issue here, where. The same thing that that Rick is dreading the entire time through this story of a fight breaking out actually happens in that Savage Dragon wedding issue. And the bride gets all pissed off. And there's this moment where it's a great two-page spread where everybody stops in mid-fight because she just turns around and screams at them. She goes, you assholes are ruining my wedding. And I wish that they could have gotten away with that in this, but there's no way they would print that kind of language in this. But I always love that moment of that. That uh, savage dragon, uh, savage dragon issue. But like I said, I don't, I have no idea what issue number that is. I haven't read that title in years. But that's all I got on this. Uh, not, you know, not a whole lot on it. But I, I got a kick out of it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give you fun. Is Marla really that? Is Marla really that tall? And her mother's that short? <laughs> yeah, I was noticing that too. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah, you look at 15, and it's like her mother's like a midget. Fifteen. Or she might she might be standing up higher too. Like aren't there steps? Oh, no, on well, because no, because look at eleven where she's adjusting her boobs. Eleven? Oh yeah, I like that one. She like the top of her head comes to the top of her shoulder. Yeah. That's and she and and she's not wearing heels either. Yeah. Well, she's she's a model or something, right? Yeah, but it's that's I mean proportion wise, it's a little little much, I think. 
She's tall. She's a big girl. And she's got those boobs. Mm-hmm. And her mm. mother likes to feel up. Nothing <laughs> untoward going on there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now this whole Wolfsbane thing has got me wondering what the heck's going on. <laughs> I couldn't find anything. I was I was searching while we were talking. I couldn't find anything. Hm. Now I'm going to wonder rate what this, Scott. Oh, you know what? Yeah, we need to do that, don't we? Let's see here. All right. So cover. There's nothing wrong with the art per se, except the Hulk. He really does look. He's just creepy looking somehow. It's just wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he looks like a real girly man right there. And the Hulk should never look like a girly man. This 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 is making you know Salvi Sima just turn over in his grave looking at he is dead Except right the fact that he's still alive oh okay well <laughs> it will make him turn over in his grave one day <laughs> even his head doesn't look right I mean even okay if you got rid of his head's not even shaped right it's just weird but you know one thing that really mitigates it quite a a bit is uh, is Marlo though man. But yeah, it, it's not a great cover. I mean, it, it sells the fact that, okay, wedding issue and all that, but it, yeah, it's it's not the greatest cover. So as a cover, I'm going to say, uh, I'll say a C plus because it's, I mean, it's okay. Uh, interior art, wow. You know, I, I think I'm going to give it a straight up A. There's a couple of faces that are a little bit weird. And, you know, a couple of the costuming choices are a little, you know, particularly Cap just looks flat silly. But overall, I really like the art. It's very expressive. I damn, I wish I could think of the name of that artist that I'm trying to think of. But it was Kevin McGuire. Is that his name? That's what I'm trying to think mm. of. Kevin McGuire. Isn't this a lot like Kevin McGuire? I can't picture. You guys Kevin know who I'm talking about? Mm, going a blank. He's the one that was doing all the you know like remember the classic cover of. Um, like Guy Gardner and and Batman and all those guys and they're all staring up at at the camera essentially. Oh, what? And from one the of first them's... one of um, yeah the oh hmm. Justice League. Yeah, and he he was always I think he was just the cover artist. I don't think he did the interiors as well, but I could be wrong on that. But yeah, he he was very expressive like this, you know, with the with faces as well, you know, and he could he could tell like whole pages of just. Two characters just making different, you know, different funny faces and stuff. Like he was really good with that. With yeah. you know, with I'm, I'm looking at his stuff and well. now, now I remember. Yeah, yeah, it, it is similar in a lot of ways, uh, and it's not what Gary Frank became later. Like you said, when he was doing, uh, I think it was actually right. that he was on. Yeah, he changed, and uh, and not for the better, in my opinion. This is very clean, and I don't think of his modern day stuff as being very clean at all. It's rather scratchy and just kind of creepy looking, but I like this. I think this is very clean. So I, I think in the art and the interior, I think I'm going to give it a straight up, uh, a straight up A. I, I really enjoy the art in this a lot. I think it's very good, and uh, and his women are just drop dead gorgeous. He really does a great job with the women. Um, story wise, I mean, it's not great. It is a super fast read. It's not a deep story. But I think, again, I think the intent here is just to tell a fun, lighthearted, special issue kind of thing. And so on that level, it works very well. So I, I guess I would say um, it's like a B minus, I guess, because it's not great, but I, I consider it better than average. Average being a C, I, I think it's better than average. Uh, so, yeah, I'll say a B minus on that. So, yeah, there you go. What do you guys got? 
the cover, I'm thinking I like the cover. I think it's it catches your eye. It lets you know kind of what's going to go on. I hate the Hulk's head. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I understand that they're supposed to be short in comparison, you know, that Doc Samson and the She-Hulk are very tall. But the two women in front of them look like uh, dwarfs or elves, <laughs> which I find just distracting. Uh, I'm going to say a B on the cover. It's, it's good, but it's not great. The interior art, I kind of... Kind of think what I said is, is the way I feel about it. I think it's really solid, but I just don't like some of the character models. I think the the inking is good, the color palette is good. It, it it's the, the shading is 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 very well done, especially with uh, with what's his name uh, the 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 devil, the demon, whatever the hell. Uh, Mephisto. Mephisto. I couldn't think of his name. Uh, I'm I'm not going to go straight up A because I don't know there's something about it that I don't think you know I think it's really good but I don't think it's great I'm going to say a B plus on the on the art in, in the interior and story wise if we're going to give C an average I think it's only the slightest bit better than average so I'm going to say C plus so overall I'd say uh, you know about a B hmm. Doc cool. a bookless bookless Bill Robinson uh, cover um. Well, Marlo really brings the cover up, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to give it to Nick Fury for smoking at the wedding, or in, in the background. <laughs> so, um, cover. Eh, oh God, I gotta stop looking at the Hulk. You, you know, if if you take him out of there, or just just get put, just put the hanky down and get rid of the tear, and it, it would be an A. I I got to give it a B plus. Um, interior art. Um, Man, I love the bikini on the beach, uh, and mm-hmm. and I and I want to give it a good props because you have Jim Morrison on the first page in in the background. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention. Right. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, considering where Gary Frank goes, I mean, I'm not real fond of his art today, but this I I like this. So I'm I'm gonna have to give this uh, a minus on the art. And um, story, I'm going to give a B, a B plus, and that's because uh, it's nice to know that the Hulk drinks decaf. <laughs> it's because the more, about more caffeine Hulk drinks, the madder he gets. <laughs> Hulk not tired. Hulk stay up all night, do Sudoku. All right. <laughs> I guess we're ready to shift over to DC. Oh, do we have to? Can we take the F out of that 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 word? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think of some some sort Do of it. clever thing, but I got nothing. Uh, so for the DC, once again, proving you can't judge a book by its cover. Its cover because I like this book, uh, like the cover rather, not burying the lead. Uh, I don't like this book. Uh, <laughs> I picked Superman number two twenty six from May of nineteen seventy which sported a cover price of 15 cents. It has a cover by Kurt Swan, which I think is actually really cool. I love, I love this cover. Uh, and it has the phrase on it, when Superman became King Kong, and it shows a giant Superman atop the, I assume, Empire State Building, holding Lois in one hand and being attacked by fighter planes at the same time. And I, I, I just remember this cover from being, a, you know, as a kid, I remember, I... I must have had this book at some time before I was collecting comics because it, it really strikes a chord with me and I remember it very well. But 
Unfortunately, the interior story doesn't live up to my memories. The story is titled When Superman Was King Kong, and it's written by Len Dorfman, penciled by Kurt Swan, and inked by George Russos. The splash page shows a giant... Is it Len or Leo? Hmm? Sorry? Is it Len or Leo? I thought it was Len, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's Leo. I don't know. Let me take a look at the book again. Really? Kurt Swan did the interior art? Well, yeah. It's just not... He really did. It just doesn't seem consistent. uh, Maybe that's George Russo's. I don't think there's any uh, credits in the actual book itself. I I think I got it from Mike's Amazing World. So I'm going to go with that. If I'm wrong, that's okay. So the splash page shows a giant Superman held to a cross-like structure with chains made of green kryptonite at his wrists and neck. And there's a helicopter passing by, expositing at the same time. One might wonder how this scene came to be, and if you do, you really should suppress that curiosity. But I'll tell you. (laughs) Our story starts with Clark, Jimmy, and Lois at the movies where they're seeing King Kong uh, 30-some-odd years after it was in the movies. Uh, Clark treats the two of them to Cracker Jacks, and Lois has a ring as a prize, and she starts to drone on about how she's going to save it in case Superman ever decides to marry her. And Jimmy has a red marble, which I guess is actually red kryptonite, which is just, you know, freaky right off the bat. The story's already amazing what gets in these boxes nowadays. Yeah, the story is already off the rails. He's got red kryptonite in a box of uh, Cracker Jacks that Clark Kent just happens to buy when he's there. Uh, Anyway, if you don't know the effects of red kryptonite, it uh, affects Superman in very unpredictable ways. So it, it allowed them to have a lot of dopey stories like this one. So as they sit and watch the movie, Clark feels a tingling that he says is a sign that he's been affected by red kryptonite. That's because Lois's hand was in his lap. But that's yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Well, maybe he's having the Kryptonian version of Pon Far. <laughs> maybe so it's he... a Kryptonian kidney stone. <laughs> so he hightails it out of the theater, and Lois and Jimmy don't even notice him leaving at that point. As he leaves, he starts to grow and grow and grow. And at that size, he has, with his little pea brain, I guess he's no longer able to control his actions. So he growls and picks up Lois, who just happened to come out of the theater at that time. The police assume that it's not really Superman, but an alien imposter. They open fire. They hit his hand that he's holding Lois with multiple times. And I I guess they figure that if they kill her, they don't have to worry about if he's hurting her. (laughs) Next, the police paracorps, or excuse me, paracorps, uh, you know, the policeman that you always see parachuting all around every major crime scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> they drop down with tear gas, tear gas grenades, and in response, what does Superman do? Well, he starts to climb whatever du- doubles for the Empire State Building in Metropolis. At the top, with Lois in, hands, in his hand, the jets open fire on him, causing him to fall. As he does, he manages to place Lois on a ledge while falling... And then flees the scene, totally destroying what I guess is the Manhattan Bridge at that point. Uh, Superman's head then starts to clear up, but rather than find a way to communicate easily, uh, since he yet regained his ability to speak, he travels to Washington, D.C. and destroys the Washington in order to use it as a pencil to write a message. Lois approaches him in a tank, and he tries to communicate with her, but as he does, a plane bombs him with a kryptonite explosive, knocking him out. At this point, because nobody noticed what he was doing with the Washington Monument, only Jimmy sees uh, from the Daily Planet helicopter that he wrote a note that says, Help! Affected by Red K. 
So Jimmy goes to the now captive Superman, who ama amazingly is there all by himself with nobody even watching, and uses huge rolls of lead foil that he just happened to have with him to shield Superman from the kryptonite and let him break free. <sighs> and at this point, the story tells us, like a Super Paul Bunyan, the action ace wades into the fog. <laughs> And he's uh, in, he, he wades into the water. Lois and Jimmy are at the shore, and amazingly, again, no one else is there. Clark comes to join them, and they question how he disappeared the same time Superman showed up. And now that Superman's gone, he's back. But he points out that Superman's giant form is still at the sea. But appearances could be deceiving, because as if the story wasn't quite stupid enough, it turns out that the giant figure is Titano the giant ape in a Superman costume. So that's telling us that Superman just happened to fly to the planet of giants where Titano lives, got him, put him in a costume, flew back, and fooled everybody. Yeah. And that's where the story ends. And if I really I, wanted to, to make you all suffer, I would do the second story. <laughs> oh, I did not read that. Is that as, just as stupid as this one? I don't know. I, I was... So I only read the first one myself. I, I, read I had enough after about, reading this. About spies. All and, right. Geez, this this is just, uh, you know, it, it's last week. In last week's episode, we talked about how Marvel went through the Golden Age to the Silver Age to the Bronze Bronze Age to the Modern Age, and DC kind of bypassed the Bronze Age. While mm -hmm. while Marvel was maturing and telling more sophisticated stories, DC was still telling stories like this. And I think this is a perfect example of, of how stupid some stories could be. I mean, mm -hmm. clearly they were trying to appeal to six and seven year olds and didn't bother to have any real logic, you know, or sense of. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't even think of like what to say, how to describe this. It's just so dumb. Where, where is Metropolis located again in a DC universe? Isn't it in? Is it in Delaware? Supposedly. See, uh, I don't know particularly nailed down during particular this, this period. Time. I mean, because he how does yeah. he get to Washington so fast? And how does how does Lois follow him to Washington so fast? In a yeah, tank, exactly. Yeah, that's a fast tank right there. See, here's the thing. I you know, I, well, I, I don't. Did you have any other notes on this, Paul? Because well, see, I have detailed notes on this one. See, but I, I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying. I'm just. I want to make sure that you you've got everything that you want to say about this one out because this is going to take a while. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No problem there. But uh, I mean, I don't have specific notes about it. But the thing is, I embrace silly. I like silly comics. But there's there's a point where, like, a, a book can be silly and it can make me relive that feeling of what it was like to be seven years old again and reading it. This book doesn't do that. This book just makes me sit here and say. Boy, this is dumb. <laughs> you know, it, it just doesn't have that that sense of 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 wonder to it at all. There's just every 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 page. It's like another thing that you you shake your head and and you wonder what the hell they're thinking about. Uh, you know, like like Bill said, the, you know, the traveling so fast. Every every like leap of fate, of logic in this book is is just bad. Mm -hmm. And 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 I, I I like Kurt Swan, but the artwork didn't really do it in this book either. There's, there's just no real pluses to it. It was no, somebody saw Superman's King Kong and not... said, "Let's come up with Superman becomes King Kong," and and that's that's yeah. all I can think of. With Superman's look, it's just even on what is that page three when you've got him changing yeah. now? Maybe because he's changing, but he looks like almost. I mean, other than this, he looks like three different people. Right. 
So, okay. Bad Here's stuff. the thing. I, I, I'm glad that you said what you said because I completely agree with you. You know, silly, lighthearted, must it have been like, you know, when, when certain comics were coming out or, or was a particular era of comics. I can, I can really try to do that. But like you said, when it's just flat, insultingly stupid, like you just think that your audience is a bunch of morons, then I take a different tact. My tact at that time becomes, oh, yeah? All right, then let, let's take a good hard look at this. So that's what I'm prepared to do with this. I took detailed notes on this. Uh, my overall reaction walking away from this issue is, or from this story anyway, is just, wow. Really? I mean, it's, wow. Okay, so right off the bat, one of my major bitches right here on the on the splash page on the inside cover. Kryptonite kills. Well, except when it doesn't, apparently. This well, drives me nuts. Right? What's that? Oh, oh, you mean when he's chained up? Yeah. Yeah. The, they do this all the time during this era of Superman, and it makes me crazy. I mean, he's, you know, is he, is it lethal or it's not? Make up your mind with this, you know? All right. So page one, uh, Lois, Clark, and Jimmy go to the movies. Are they screwing off on work time? That's never made clear in this. And I think that's kind of important because, you know, kids look to Superman as a role model. So I want to know, is this them during their off time? Because if this is them during their off time, don't they have like casual wear? (laughs) Well, that could be true. But but it does say one day. Yeah, but if well, this is the 70s, but uh, yeah, it's almost like it's written back in the 50s where that would be the casual wear. Right. I, I don't know. I really. Yeah. All right, so page one, panel three. Jesus Christ, choking hazards, people. Choking hazards. They put a ring and a marble in a box of Cracker Jacks? <laughs> Different time, man. Different time. No, but can you imagine and, and you know what? kryptonite marble jammed in your larynx because you're trying to eat Cracker Jacks in why the dark just, in a movie Why don't you just theater? play with it in the front seat with no seatbelt on? <laughs> with the, with, smoke with a the, cigarette. With the gallon of lead paint that's going to go in that uh, your parents are going to use in your house later. Right. (laughs) Okay, still on page one. What in the hell print of King Kong is this? Now, I've seen every version of King Kong. I don't remember this one. (laughs) It's just bizarre. I guess they couldn't get it too close to the original one for, like, rights reasons or something, but if you're not even going to make the... King Kong. What's that? I said they come right out and call it King Kong. Yeah, I know. That it's a rights thing. What the hell? Oh, sorry. That's his hand. I'm like, where King Kong's fighting the dinosaurs. That looks. That must yeah. be the dinosaur's other hand, but it looks like it's coming out of his mouth. Wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> is that his tongue or something? Who do we use? I guess Ray it's in the a... poster. In the Snap. Panel. Right. It's got a bite. Yeah, she's butt. dead. Well, she looks like a little girl in the on page or on the panel four right there. Yeah. She's yeah, got a little does. dolly squish. Yeah, she does. Okay. Uh, page two, panel one. The Marquise says Wing Kong. What? Where? Page two. I'm sorry, page three, oh, rather. Page okay. three, not page two. Page three. Wing Kong. Wing Kong Fei Wing Ray. Kong Fei Ray. Yeah. <laughs> what is, I don't know what that's all about. Um, why didn't he just fly into space or to his fortress? If well, he knows okay. that red kryptonite is going to affect him and change him and potentially change him into a, a rampaging monster, yeah, but then maybe... why didn't he just fly away? But since it's predictable, maybe flying up in the air is not the best thing to do in case he suddenly loses his powers. Uh, yeah, I guess. But isn't he supposed which to be about protecting looking, the people? Which is why he's looking, you know, he's trying to get to a mirror to see what's going on. 
How many millions of dollars worth of damage did he do? Oh, a lot. He destroyed that bridge. But, you know, he destroyed a building. He steps on a car. He snapped the Washington Monument off its he, base. Yeah, he took the Washington well, what, Monument and used it as a pencil. He couldn't use the telephone. Well, one of the pole? things that makes one of the things that makes me crazy during this era is when something like this would happen. You know, here's Superman. He's been around since 1938. He has saved the world numerous times. But the minute something a little bit out of the ordinary happens to him, everybody turns on him. So he turns into a giant freak on page three. Page four, you've got people going, run for your lives. It's a nightmare. And the cops start shooting at him. I'm like, (laughs) Jesus, you guys turned on him fast. Superman, can we help you? Is there anything we could do for you? Kill him. Exactly. Yeah, just shoot him. Uh, Page four. Well, okay, they hmm? think. Well, okay. What is it? Page five. They say that can't be Superman. Must be an alien. Be- well, yeah, Superman wouldn't threaten anyone. Let's shake up this king size character. Tell you, let's go with that girl. Yeah, okay. That's real smart thinking. Yeah. Right. That's that's the note I've got, too. It says, un- until he lets go of the girl. Okay. Say that this genius plan had actually worked, right? They shoot his hand and he drops the girl. Then she just she's- falls to her death. What the yeah, hell she's are like, they thinking? She's like 20. You know, if he's that at all, she's like 20 at least 20 feet up in the air she's gonna at a minimum she's gonna break her legs right lois is gonna oh. break her legs when she maybe, maybe one of the, maybe one of the, the police hand. paracord would have helped quarter <laughs> <laughs> they shoot him in the hand at her center mass yeah so it's already been established that he lost his ability to fly what if he'd lost his invulnerability too she'd be crippled for life at this point yeah that'd go right through her spine where if, yeah if, if, if those went through his hand it's ridiculous <laughs> Look at, his four. Face. Look at his face in the middle in that second <laughs> second one. <laughs> he's got crazy eyes. Uh, it's great. He looks like he's going to bite her head off in panel one on page five right there, too. He's like, Wah! maybe, you know. <laughs> page four, panel four is the only piece of art that I like in this entire story. But that is actually a good one. I like that. She looks really good right there. Yeah, that, he looks that is pretty not good bad. Too. I agree. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, page five, hyper tear gas. What? Page six, panel one, the, uh, paratroopers come down and Superman just super swats one of them out of the air. And that guy's paralyzed for the rest of his life. (laughs) Spine snap. (laughs) Page six, panel four, when plan A fails, go straight to plan Z. What? What What happened to the other 24 plans? Yeah, exactly. What? This, I mean, this is seriously, the paratroopers were plan A. I mean, they're the very first thing that happens in, in, you know, when they decide to go after him. So that doesn't work. They go straight to plan Z. All right. I admitted I didn't have any other plans. <laughs> uh, what I want to know is, how do you plan for this anyway? I mean, seriously, there was a board meeting somewhere. They were like, you know, in case Superman ever becomes King Kong, here's what we really ought to do. You think okay, they didn't I... have that meeting? Come on. <laughs> Batman was in on that meeting. Page seven, Superman climbs the Metro building, goes up to the top, and fighter planes come in and shoot missiles at him. What is wrong with these assholes? It's Superman, for one thing. He's holding a girl. So what happens when they shoot him and knock him off? Which happens. And I love it, Paul. I love that you caught exactly the same thing that I caught. Page eight, panel three. Uh, I don't think physics works the way you think it does. Oh, he would, he would have, she would have been crushed by the leg. <laughs> yes. He's falling no, no, at no, terminal no, velocity no, no, off no, the, no, the Empire no. State Building, essentially. And he just reaches out and gently 
puts her down in mid-fall. No, no, no that I'm, does not happen. I'm, I'm going to no-prize it. I'm going to get a, whatever, a baldy. As he was flying, Superman used his super intelligence, and he actually threw, he tossed her up a bit so that she gently landed on the ledge. I, I know it is, it's one of your pet peeves, and you hate the show The Big Bang Theory, but... In one of the very early episodes, they were going to watch Superman the movie, and they they started debating when Lois was falling, and Superman caught her about how it would have ripped her body into two clean pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this scene reminds me of. Now, I know he says at the very end of the story, uh, in the very last panel, he says, I'll repair everything I damaged. Yeah, how is he going to bring back to life the family that he crushed in the car on panel four of page eight when he hits the ground? <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to repair everything I damaged. No, no. No, no, that's that's going to take some time. And the guys and, that and died it, on no, the boat after he goes to the bridge? That part's actually cool. You can't just like take the Washington Monument and use your heat vision to fix it. <laughs> you know, it, it's uses, it, ta- it uh, takes craftsmen and stuff to do that. I mean, he'll use his fix-it vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His repair of the Great Wall of China vision. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the best part of this entire thing was the ad for Superboy number one sixty-five across from page nine. I thought that was pretty awesome. I've got to track this issue down because it turns out I don't have this issue, and I thought that I did. Uh, page nine, panel one, my brain is clearing. Well, I'm glad yours is Superman because I'm pretty sure that I lost some serious brain cells reading this piece of shit. Page nine, panel three. Okay. So to put the minds of the citizens, citizenry at ease that he's back to his senses, Superman's plan is to tear up more shit. Wait, (laughs) this makes no sense at all. If he's coming back to his senses and he realizes, gee, I've been on a rampage. Why doesn't he just write with his super finger? Hey, here or with his foot or why his heat he, vision? Why doesn't he just use sign language? Yeah. Super sign language. Super sign language. Instead, he tears off the Washington Monument to use it like a pencil. He writes help and actually bothers to put in an exclamation point. <laughs> okay. Well, don't forget your plus help how? That's what I want to know. Help. Affected by red case is the message. Okay, that's great. How, how are they supposed to help him? I think that's a dangling participle there, perhaps. <laughs> no, poor punctuation. Oh, my God. Uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Page three. Oh, yeah. Page 11, panel three. I came prepared with huge rolls of lead foil. As soon as I heard about fa- face B was to bind Superman with kryptonite-coated manacles. Lead can shield him from the... I'm like, what? Where Where the hell do you... Where did he go to, like, Ace Hardware to get huge rolls of lead foil? And, and Paul, I love it, man, that you caught something that I missed, which is Superman's not even being guarded. <laughs> they chained him up with kryptonite, and just... And <laughs> there's nobody there. Well, where did they so get Jimmy that giant just post and put it there? And who lifted him up on top of it? <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it was from Gulliver's oh Travels. But they in the uh, on that same page, the last panel. Uh, so I guess it's panel five. Uh, Superman's in the keep on trucking pose. <laughs> <laughs> ease on down, ease on down the road. And you know, not for nothing, but even if you could accept the pseudo scientific logic of Jimmy with his lead uh, foil. 
if you had real, you know, like real lead foil like that, you wouldn't even be able to lift it. That would be so heavy. Right. Maybe it may. Is it uh... how is he holding himself onto that that um, that uh, rope rope ladder? Uh, he's, he's got, got his great his leg control. Leg yeah, yeah, just with his feet, and then he's leaning, and and yet not falling to his death. How does that who's, work? Who's piloting yeah. the helicopter? Yeah, exactly. Oops. <laughs> well, it looks like little more than a whirly bird. Anyway, how does it have enough fuel to fly all the way from Metropolis to Washington D.C.? You know how my kids right. answer it when I when I pose questions like this to them? They go shh. <laughs> you know what my wife says? She goes, "It's not real." No, but when 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 I when I present them like when they say, "Oh, I'm going to do this," and I present them with a piece of logic they can't dispute, then they just go shh. <laughs> which which right, usually results in me laughing. So I guess it serves the purpose they wanted to. Page 12, panel 1. Wait, Jimmy suspects Clark Kent too? I don't remember ever reading this before that he ever suspected Clark was Superman. Is this is this new? Is this something I was just not aware of before? I thought that this was interesting. And and, why, and since when does Jimmy's watch have a Magno computer in it? Yeah. A Magno yeah. counter, excuse me. That one really, yeah. Well, plus, you know, Superman points to the giant Superman out in the heart, or Clark does, rather, points to the giant Superman. He says, if you two are suggesting that I'm Superman, who's that out there? And they go, Superman. And then Lois goes, maybe not. It could be a giant Superman robot. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Okay, yeah. All right, whatever. So is, is Superman mildly racist or something? This little pygmy is going back to the office? Yes. What? 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 Yeah, I know. I- uh, what is it? Does he make any sense? <laughs> but it makes sense that he flew to the planet of giants and got Titan. I guess because he's small now, that's why he's saying he's a pygmy. I don't know. I just like yeah. Okay. Page twelve, that last panel where he's escorting uh, Titano back to the giant planet. He says, "I'll take back that costume I loaned you." Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that for a minute, shall we? What? Where the hell does he get a, a, a giant gorilla-sized Superman costume? Is this something he just had in his closet? Well, maybe I mean, maybe that was the same one he had when he was giant-sized, and it didn't shrink when he shrunk. Okay, so, so, so when, when the one he was wearing, we'll, we'll assume it, you know, it's made from the blanket from his ship and all of that, so it's not going to yeah. rip, and it stretches. But it's amazing that the cape stretches in proportion with his... <laughs> uniform as he grows wait 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 (laughs) (laughs) oh my lord okay my next i've only got just a couple more i promise page 13 congratulations what's that i said keep on going baby (laughs) page 13 congratulations team you managed to construct an entire page in which there's not a single thing on it that doesn't insult my intelligence. Way to go. Yeah, this page is an absolute disgrace. Uh, panel five in particular, Superman says, uh, I'll soon have him back on the giant, uh, back home on the giant world talking about Titano. You know, that's great, except he'll be dead when he gets there because apes don't breathe in space. But, you know, what the hell? Yeah, he's dragging Titano by the wrist through space, through the atmosphere, back to the giant world. I mean, this is wrong and cruel on so many levels. And how does he not lose that shirt? 
Because <laughs> apparently Titano is stripping as they fly. I mean, is there something about well, you know, in the in the panel where it's showing the flashback where he came and got Titano, he's flying by Titano's armpit hair. Aye. <laughs> ah, it's just wrong. I mean, but is there something I'm not aware of with Titano? Is he like indestructible or or I mean, he wasn't super, right? He was just like King Kong, right? He was just a giant ape. I think so. Yeah. I mean, well, wait, he did have the kryptonite visions. Maybe there was more to him. I don't remember. But if there's any Titano experts out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you, some, Luke Jack and Eddie. <laughs> I'm going to need some help on this one, because what I want to know is, can he breathe in space? And why doesn't the friction of reentry burn him up? So I we have some I'm giant gorilla lost. burgers. I am lost on this one. I mean, yeah, my my overall thought walking away from this was just holy shit. What a mess. Well, he is called a Titano has him listed as the super ape. Yeah, I mean, I remember ah, he Silver he Age did, version. Here we go. Yeah, he had like kryptonite vision, I think. Ah, okay. I, Pre-Crisis Titano first appeared, blah, 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 blah. originally named Toto. He was dubbed one of the world's most intelligent apes, rocketed into space. His and his ship were bombarded with radiation, which changed him into a giant ape with incredible strength and the ability to emit beams of kryptonite radiation from his eyes. Then there's post-Crisis version, so. Right. Yeah, that's all it says. Is that I guess he was kind of super, but it doesn't say he could survive re-entry. Yeah, it's just That's wrong up. on so many levels. It is wrong. It's animal cruelty. It needs to be stopped. Wow. Those super super dickery people could have a field day with just this one story. <laughs> Did right. you notice that by incredible coincidence, King Kong is actually on the back cover of the magazine as well? Because the entire had... back cover of the issue is a is an Aurora model kits ad for glow in the dark model kits. Oh yeah, so you've got Kong. Godzilla, you've got the creature, the mummy, the Wolfman, you've got Kong who looks flat ridiculous. That's a Dr. pretty goofy Jekyll. looking Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Luke Jack and Eddie in a mask. Wow. If I was Luke, I would Ooh, not be happy Hunchback with you right now. Just like Chris Honey, what's that? I said, if I was Luke, I say? wouldn't be happy with you right now for saying that. <laughs> Which one looks like Honeywell? Looks like Chris Honeywell. Yeah, the hunchback <laughs> in chains right underneath Frankenstein. Yeah, I was thinking you were maybe pointing to the phantom. I thought he meant <laughs> <Yeah>. the skeleton. <laughs> the skeleton looks more like him. He's got a mole on his face. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be oh. the first to attack this one from a rating point of view. Oh, and, no. And, and we're going to go from the highs of the highs to the lows of the lows because I love this cover. I think this is an iconic cover. I would have this hanging up in my house as a poster. I think this is an A cover. We end it there. <laughs> the interior art is inconsistent. It's not quality. I like Kurt Swan's art. I don't like it in this book. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's. I don't think it tells the story well. I don't Who's think the anchor? It, uh... Uh, there's George Russo's. Ah. I, I, I think this is this is subpar Kurt Swan interior art. I would say it's a D. Uh, the story is flat out stupid. It, there's, there's just no savings grace to it. It was let's let's make Superman into King Kong and let's be damned with any logic or story that makes sense in any way, shape, or form. I'm giving the story an F. So from the highs of the highs to the lows of the lows, from an A on the cover to an F for the story, overall, the book gets a C-. Hmm. 
Can't argue with that. <laughs> and and the only reason it's a C minus is because of the cover. Otherwise, it would be an F. So, what do you guys got on it for rating? Uh, I'll do the I'll do the grades on this. Um, I'm not near as enamored of the cover. I don't think it's bad per se. It's just I, I yeah I don't know. Um, is it just me or does it look like the building that Superman is standing on is actually falling towards us? Because it looks like the perspective is just a little bit weird, but maybe it's maybe it's meant to be. I'm not sure. But you see what I'm what I'm talking about? How it seems like compared to the buildings behind it and around it, it actually looks like it's leaning forward. I think it's just supposed to be the mm-hmm. angle you're at. A little bit okay. of forced perspective to it. Um, it is the best art of the whole book, though. Is the is the cover? It is really good, and it's hard to believe. I mean, it's the same artist, so that's the weird thing about it. But um. I don't know. I gotta try to be fair with this. I would say maybe a maybe a C plus because I I'm not crazy about it, but I mean it's not bad. I don't know that this would, was one that would make me necessarily have scarfed it up when I was a kid, though. I think even as a kid, I'd probably have looked at this and gone, "What? Superman is King Kong? What?" So I don't know. Uh, the interior art is just bad. I mean, it's so wildly inconsistent. Like uh, like Bill pointed out, you know, you look at page three, the three panels of Superman, each one is completely different. You've got one that's like, duh, Superman, and then you've got one that's like, old, old man, man Superman. Superman, and then you've got one that's like, too many cheeseburger Superman, so I don't know what the <laughs> hell is going on here. It's all over the place. I mean, there's, literally, there's only one panel in the entire book that I liked, and it was that one on page four. The rest of them are just all over the friggin' place. So as far as the art, I'm I'm gonna just I gotta be harsh. I'm gonna give the art like a D minus. I, I think it's a barely you know, it's barely serviceable in a lot of ways. Um and then the story, yeah, I completely agree with you. It, it's a is there anything lower than an F? No. Because it is yeah, it's an F. I mean I guess I mean, in this, theory you could say it's an F minus, but but an yeah. F is an F. Well we yeah, could give it a horrible. we could give it a G for god awful. Uh, it is god awful too. Yeah, what a stupid story. I mean, it's it's only passable as a let's just tear it to shreds and make fun of it. I mean, it's it's so bad that it's even tough doing that. But yeah, what a mess. Mm. <laughs> wow. Well, my grade for the cover, I'm going to give the cover not as high as Paul, but not as low as you, Scott. I'm going to give the cover a B because I, I see it, it. It is one of the best pieces of the book, and it is a bit I, iconic. Although, looking at the way those jets are flying and the way the building's positioned, I mean, yeah, the jets could be coming up from. I don't know. That's some of the proportions wrong. So I'm I'm going to give the cover a B minus. Um, although I did. I have a new question from the first page of, of the art, and I answered one of my uh, other questions. There is somebody else flying the helicopter. Right. Which, so, but my next question is, do they always have giant manacles made of kryptonite ready on hand for Superman that size? No, <laughs> I mean, you always got to be prepared. It's like that. You just spring out of the bed. Maybe that was. Plan I want to know where the kryptonite foundry is, because somewhere there's somebody <laughs> just churning out all kinds of products made out of kryptonite during this time frame. Which I guess is yeah. part of the incentive for the kryptonite no more story. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, all right. How did that piece of red kryptonite just randomly end up in a Cracker Jack box? Shit happens. Uh, wh- Shh. 
<laughs> what I want to know is when exactly did the red case start to affect him anyway? Because I think the implication here is that it affected him as soon as Jimmy took it out of the box and he's holding it right in front of Clark's nose. But this is kryptonite. So Wouldn't unless he know the right box is there? made out of lead. Yeah, exactly. As soon as he, he would have known when he picked it up. Jacks, yeah. Yeah, and then if he was so if Superman's so impressionable, why didn't he turn into a giant freaking Cracker Jack? <laughs> now that would have been awesome. <laughs> so yeah, the interior art is just so goofy and not consistent that yeah, I, I, F. Yeah. I don't like the interior art. Uh, angry Superman killing the guard, uh, the paratroopers. The story's just a mess. So, I mean, F on that as well. So, I guess for me, it averages out to what would that be? Like a C minus, I guess? Hovering about yeah. that? C minus, D. I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> I'm, inter- I'm more five. interested in the, in, the, in the giant play zoo animal collection than I am the rest of the book. <laughs> when I was I'm seven years old, five. I wanted the giant play zoo animal collection. <laughs> I think I may that, have gotten it at one time. That hippo just looks so happy. Yeah. Doesn't that hippo look like Chris Tyler? Oh. No, he's got the happy smile, and he's like, "Hey, how's it going, Bill? What's up?" He's, he's just looking. He's, Let's go over to the car. Come on, where'd you park the car? See, he's got his mother car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that hippo is looking to to, to read Sleepwalker number four right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libsyn.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com slash league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcast.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I'll be right back. There's been an accident in the house. You got to go change your pants. <laughs> no, no. Everything okay? Was but... it a freak accident? No, the cat threw up <laughs> in the other room. I have to go clean it up. I'll be right back. Keep talking. I'll be right back. <laughs> Bye. Hold on. <laughs>